0: You're listening to a brain stew fresh fright review.
1: What's up, creeps, and welcome to another brand new Epic Film Guys Fresh Fright review. I'm Justin. Jeremy? I'm Be Ready? Fuck yeah, you are. And this week on the show, we are talking about the newest installment in James Wan's Conjuring Universe, the sequel to the movie The Nun. None other than The Nun 2. 2. Mm. two. Yes just two it's back when sequels had a two after it the same fucking name as the first one just a two after it. i kind of miss that movies don't do that as often anymore they just kind of add like uh a, a, an additional title underneath the the name of the movie and this one's just you know old school it's going old school but we're gonna be talking about that and we've got a few other things to talk about before we get to it including jeremy you and i had a pretty amazing adventure this last weekend. We did. Why don't you tell our listeners all about it?
2: Uh, We met an Academy Award winner, none other than Vilmer from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. Yes. uh, Matthew McConaughey. It was awesome, dude. Uh, It was exhausting, (laughs) but it was was awesome. You (laughs) know, anything that I do, I, I go all in. So this was a situation where he was gonna be appearing in New Jersey, and it was a professional photo op. It was, you bought his new book, it was 25 bucks, and then you got a professional photo op with him from a photographer. And, you know, I learned one thing last year from going to the the Breaking Bad bottle signing, it's that when you get celebrities of that status that are showing up to an event like that, you gotta get there early. So I don't mess around when it comes to this stuff. Uh, I left my house at, like, 1.30 in the morning. I got to this bookstore at, like, 5.40 in the morning. I set up a fucking lawn chair. I'm like, I'm in it. I'm in it. And maybe half an hour after I got there, another guy showed up. And then people start trickling in. But all I know is that when you're number one, it's guaranteed, baby. It's happening. You don't have to wait in line. You know, there's always a chance somebody can find fuck it up which is always my fear which is why i'm like you know what i want to be first in line before somebody fucks it up and
1: your ass was first
2: yeah i mean dude rose mcgowan okay she did a book signing a few years ago and someone that was at the book signing like heckled her and she literally Mm -hmm. was like fuck you and like ripped this person up And then left and then literally canceled the rest of her book tour. So that's why I don't take chances with this stuff. I was like, I'm going to be there early. It's going to be great. And, dude, that's us showing up early. Saved us. Tell him. Tell him.
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. So, yeah, you always tell me the best advice uh, doing these types of events. And my wife decided she wanted to go. What woman wouldn't want to meet Matthew McConaughey? So she said, sure, I'll agree to getting up at 2 in the fucking morning and driving from Virginia to New Jersey to meet him. And, you know, she kind of questioned it. And I said, listen, you, you, you don't question Jeremy with these situations. You just don't do it. So she agreed. We got there, at like, right before 7. And I walked up. You were there first. There was, like, I think five other people there. But you were the first person in line. Uh, and, it, and it worked out because, number one, you know, we got brought down early. And it started to rain like, like fucking torrential poor. downpour.
2: There were yeah. and there, there was like hundreds, hundreds of people, people outside. Like, dude, if <laughs> so, the professional photographer uploads the pictures like on a website, so you can look and see it. Everyone's photos, dude. They, these <laughs> people look like <laughs> shit with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, they man. were fucking like. Like, they had fucking fallen into a lake. And then... Dude, they were so. Dude, then took their pictures with them. I'm like, oh my god. Thank god we got there early and did not get rained on. Because these... So many of these poor people... You know, that's what happens when you want to fucking sleep in. Right? You get stuck in the rain. Don't fucking sleep in be first. So... Well,
1: I mean, that that and as well as... You know, our pictures turned out great. Mine, yours, my wife, we all got pictures with them. They all turned out great. He was smiling. He had energy. But... You know, Pre show, we talked about it a little bit. He came in and you were like, he looks like dog shit. He and he came over. out and he admitted that he hadn't slapped much. He had been you- at, you know, Brady. What football game was it?
0: it was, uh, I don't follow sports. Texas at all. versus Alabama. And Texas had a huge okay. upset over Alabama.
1: So he was in Alabama the night before, yeah. didn't sleep at all. He looked hungover oh, as fuck. They gave him a coffee. When, when he was sipping that coffee, you, you, you were like, I
0: could just feel how hungover dude, he when was. I was um, one of, you could tell from the pictures. Oh yeah. Yeah. I
2: was one of the first people that could see him because of the way that they brought him in, where I was in line, like I could see him before other people. And when he turned around, I was like, oh, he's fucking hurting. But, dude, yeah, I, I, of sure. course, I, I can't move this along until we talk about the drunk lady that showed up at seven o'clock in the morning. Oh my god.
0: This seven in the morning. Seven o'clock in the morning. She never she never went to sleep.
2: She stayed up all night drinking. Dude, she was this skinny she was this skinny Hispanic woman with bleach blonde hair. Dude, she like shambled out of like a minivan with a twenty two ounce white claw with a straw in it. (laughs) she had a like, claw, like it was dude. like it was a red bull or something like that and i i can't make this up i swear to god on my life this hey the claws law it is so i swear to god i can't make this up <laughs> i swear this really happened and i was so glad that justin was there for it she literally fucking stumbles over to where it's me justin and maybe like four or five other guys waiting at this point and she says this hey boys how about that MTV? Shakira, Shakira! And I don't know. <laughs> what? I swear to God in my life. That's exactly what she yeah. said. I
1: I, witnessed I don't this.
2: know what reaction she was looking for. Like, were we supposed to go, oh, yeah. Like in a, like an 80s movie or something like that. Like, fist pump. Like, dude, we all looked at her like, this lady's a fucking alien. It was like, dude, you were, she was... You were supposed <laughs> to start singing She-Wolf yeah. by Shakira. I'm on tonight, time, and my hips don't and I'm starting to feel it like...
1: <laughs> we all, all, at the same time, simultaneously all just turned around and ignored her. <laughs> then she came over to me, and she was like, I love your hair, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thank she you. Like- and then I... That, that's when I took the opportunity to be like, I need to go check on my wife yeah. in the dude. car because <laughs> she was getting ready. Um, and Danielle mentioned something later about she she was she was calling her White Claw sparkling water. <laughs> <laughs> she Clearly was like, white claw I'm kid. just sitting out here drinking my sparkling water, dude. Like, dude, we could we could see it's a it's fucking a White Claw. White claw. That's, that's
2: not just a and sparkling dude. I felt water. so bad.
1: You know, we're gonna move on from this, but I felt so terrible because when she got out of the car. It appeared that her I'm not moving was on like, from this.
2: I'm letting you know that right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's the whole episode, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but he got out of the car. I don't know if he was wasted too, but he had a cane. Michael
2: and when he got Kane. out of the car, he
1: almost he almost fell like right over, and someone had to like help him up off the sidewalk. It felt so terrible. Um, the interesting part of this story, you know, meeting Matthew was fantastic and everything. And you have to tell the listeners what you said Dude. to him, but yeah. Um, my wife did go through the photo ops, and everyone that got one that was listed on the site, that lady did not. She get had a to photo have gotten op, kicked. So either she got either she got ass. sick,
2: passed out, or they kicked her out. I'm going to say they probably kicked her out.
1: Most yeah. likely, but you, you were literally like I think what fourth person. Yeah, to meet so him? they.
2: There were some staff members that got to meet him uh, before me and I asked him. I was like Bastard. I asked him I was like, yo, like, how did you guys get in front of me? How I got, got here at five forty, they're like, Ah, we work here. I'm like, All right, you get the pass, that's cool. So anyway, so I walk up to him and I'm like, dude, this is gonna be my only opportunity in my life, I'm sure, to meet this guy. I can't let it go without mentioning his chance I'm asking for to him. So I said, Mr. McConaughey, I think it's great that you won an Academy Award but you will always be Vilmer from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4 to me, and he goes, "Oh man!" <laughs> he goes, and started moving his leg up and down, making robot noises. He was like, "I had that mechanical leg, man." He goes, "Whoo!" He said, "Man, that that movie's wild. I still like that one." And I, dude, and then we both were laughing, cause like, you know, I'm sure he was not expecting me to bring up that movie, but then for him to break into Character and start doing the leg up and down. I'm like, dude.
1: Yeah, that was that, that wild, made fucking that
2: made my exhaustion or from all the traveling totally worth it. I'm like that that little moment right there is something that I'll remember forever.
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely worth it. I mean, I, I came home and fucking crashed right out oh, yeah. for a couple hours, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 always worth it, man. I, the adventures that we take, it's always worth it to, to suffer a
2: little bit sure. for them.
1: But he was great. Um, but before we get to our actual review of How about
2: of Brady... that MTV, Shakira, Shakira.
0: <laughs> Shakira, Shakira. Woo!
1: You know, I'm doing a sober month, and I feel like I should be mirroring that woman and having a fucking massive white claw in front of me right now. <laughs> I, I swear to God, dude. I, I mean, I, I'm a functioning alcoholic, openly admitted, but I don't know if... I, I don't even know if I've ever been that drunk before. Oh, you have fucking no have. Idea. I've been there. Yeah, you Yeah, you have. You have. Listen, you didn't <laughs> see the lady. You didn't see the lady. And I've never walked up to a crowd of people mumbling that kind of gibberish before. I'm going to
0: tell part. a story that's not too embarrassing for
1: you. No, 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 no you're not. We're going to talk about right now. We're going to move on because today is the day that we receive the new trailer for Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Brady, you are our... Resident Stephen King expert on the show, so do you know what the show is about?
0: Uh, yes, yeah. so Pet Cemetery Bloodlines is a prequel to the twenty eighteen right twenty eighteen Pet Cemetery adaptation, uh, but it basically takes a portion of the Pet Cemetery book where. Judd Crandall is warning Lewis Creed to not go to the Pet Cemetery, and he tells the story of when he was young. So Bloodlines takes place in 1969 with a young Judd Crandall, who has dreams of leaving his hometown of Ludlow, Maine, behind, but he soon discovers sinister secrets buried within and is forced to confront a dark family history that will forever keep him connected to Ludlow. Banding together, Judd and his childhood friends must fight an ancient evil that has gripped Ludlow since its founding, and once unearthed, has the power to destroy everything in its path. Um, it's that damn road. It's they better say road. it like a bunch. They, they don't better say it. And a for anybody, and times. you know, longtime listener and friend of the show, Corey, messaged me and said, I, "I don't know." When he says, "you know," sometimes dead is better. It sounded like a really hard R. There was no New England. Sometimes dead is better, you know. And it's just like I don't know. Like cast looks good. Um, Henry Thomas, David Duchovny. Um, I, I think for me personally, as the Stephen King guy, um, I'm excited to see this story told, but, um, it's also such a small portion of the original book that I'm afraid they're going to inflate it way too much. And it's going to lose that luster, you know? Uh, and it's just going to be something that really didn't need to happen. And that's my fear. And Stephen King came out and he even made a tweet that he was like, the story's fine. Uh, you know, and, and he said Covenant is excellent. He said, he said
1: the secret is always is caring about the characters. But what
0: yeah. what I'm focused on is he goes the story is fine, and I'm like, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence.
1: Yeah, usually he gushes over a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, in his older age, he he he's definitely got on a limb and, and praised a lot of movies that not a lot of people agreed with them on. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like it's his opinion. I mean, this is based on one of his works. Uh, you know, I saw the trailer and thought it looked perfectly fine. Um, you know, that horrible thing that is always mentioned on social media, where people just you know post something and ask why. Well, you know why? Because it's an IP. The last movie didn't bomb, mm-hmm. and why not? Like it, it's something that's going to go on a streaming service. Uh, it's not going in theaters or anything. So it's it's just additional content. Like Jeremy was saying this. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were, I forget what we were talking about, but, you know, streaming services, they're going to continuously need new content. So this is just more content to be thrown on there. So the, from what I saw of it, it looks worthy of a watch. Looks like just more Pet Cemetery. What do you think, Jeremy?
0: Well, real quick, too, the, uh, before Jeremy goes, the other thing is, like, why the fuck are there a field of sunflowers in Maine? Like, I live up here. There's no fields of sunflowers. I mean, like, there should, there should be, that. though. It,
2: there should be, though, Brady.
0: It looked like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that came out two years ago. It's probably that's, where they, that's probably me. where they filmed the, it. The really
1: good one? You're talking about the really good one that is really good, okay. but uh, the really, shitty really one loved. That I the one, on
0: Netflix, God, that yeah. one that I... Shut goddamn
2: fucking
1: mouth. 2022 was fucking amazing. The one that
0: I had to take a stand for for the credibility of this podcast and say was a bad movie. Yeah, that one. I'm gonna get uh, Mark Berman to beat your fucking no. ass. How about that? He's probably too busy making And here we are. But yeah, so,
1: and honestly... Our, our good friend of the show, our our biggest patron and supporter, Maurice, uh, good buddy, he actually worked on the show a little bit, gave me a little bit of behind the scenes information on what it was like to work on it and and his thoughts on it. But I won't go too deep into that. Maybe we'll bring him on the show to talk about it a little bit. But yes, Jeremy, you watched the trailer. What did you think of it?
2: Uh, I you know I never watched the the most recent uh pet cemetery movie i never watched it man it just it didn't it didn't speak to me it was one of those things that i was like ah i feel like i don't need that you know um i've heard mixed things about it some people they've i've heard they really dig it and some people i've i've heard that they didn't particularly care for it so i should probably watch it um because why not i've watched way shittier movies I've watched shittier movies last week. <laughs> you know what I mean,
1: dude. You 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 definitely have for sure. Um.
2: So that's, yeah, that's, that's I confirmed. might as well check it out. And uh, the the trailer for the new one, uh, it's got some interesting casting choices in it. It was it was cool to see David Duchovny in something, uh, non X Files because it's been been a minute. Sure. Um. Yeah. It looks it looks fine, man. Um. It's kind of one of those things that. If if you're a fan of of that franchise or that story, then like yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, there was nothing in the trailer that made me go, "Holy shit!" Like I gotta fucking watch that. You know what did make me say that is totally killer from Blumhouse that's coming out. I think October sixth or something like that.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. That looks
2: fucking awesome. That one has me.
1: We're definitely we're we're definitely covering that one. Sure, for sure. That that looks fan fucking tastic, though I am a little bit you know I'll make it quick. Uh, but I'm I'm really over filmmakers trying to recapture the magic of the 80s. They it just usually at this point they get it wrong or it comes off as being super phony, super try hard. This movie just looks like yeah. so much fun. It just looks like cast is fantastic. I love everything I saw in there, and they made the mask of the killer look exactly like fucking Max Headroom. So there's nothing more 80s than that. I was like, alright, I'm down with this immediately. And everyone you know, not everyone, but you know, a large portion of the horror fan community are like, that's the final girls. It's like, well it's a similar premise, yes, but there are a lot of movies that have the same fucking premise and it's okay that they exist because you know, it's just more movies. You're not required to watch it, but yeah, that looks fantastic. I think you know with with bloodlines it's just going to be another interpretation for for fans to enjoy so hey again we, we've gotten like a million other versions of other franchises so uh why the fuck no? but to,
0: to be fair it is like a really chilling part of the story of pet cemetery so it has potential i just like i said i think it's it's too small of a part of it to be this this full length thing
1: yeah you never know i mean we'll I hope, see I how I'm surprised yeah We'll see how how they stretch it to make it work. but
0: I say we're don't gonna, go down that road.
1: <laughs> that damn road. You should, why, why weren't you... Well, again, they didn't film it there, so that's why you weren't in it. Um, yeah. But, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get to our main feature review. But on our way to Matthew McConaughey, I finally found the coveted Mountain Dew 2023 Voodoo. Mystery flavor, and I... Like to make it a thing on the show where I actually do the taste test on the air and try to guess what it is. So I have it in front of me, boys. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try this thing out, so you can be the proof that I did it. There it is, right there. A I've a got drink water. envy. It's it's mystery flavor. I like the the colors though. The color is fantastic. It's the There's like of a little semen. mummy. I um, meant the yeah, fucking the, the, the label, label. The label. Oh, idiot. Uh, it, it does look like semen. Actually, someone uh, commented on the photo on that's, Twitter. That's and That's watery asked, semen. Is it always that color? I said, it's not a color, okay? What is it? It's a texture. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Ew. Um, but no, there's like a cool like <laughs> mohawk, disgusting. pink mohawked mummy with like fucking rad sunglasses on the side. So love that. Justin, you should just submit
0: sip. like a selfie of yourself to like Mountain Dew and be like, just use this for voodoo. How's it taste? Mmm. Okay. It's nowhere near... He's like, it tastes like semen. It's nowhere near... (laughs) Salty, uh, yet refreshing.
1: If I I knew what the fuck that tasted like, I would admit it. I don't know what that tastes like. Um, Sure. Last year's... The 2022 (laughs) was, in parentheses, a sour candy flavor. Mystery Mm -hmm. variant. Yeah. Okay. Tasted like Sour Patch Kids to me. Uh, This one, it tastes like... Let me get one more sip. Yeah. I'm tasting Blue Raspberry.
0: I like Blue Raspberry. Okay. So
1: I'm going to go out on a limb and say...
0: It's Blue Raspberry.
1: But, again, it has to be... They always base it off of a specific candy. Oh, right, right, right. right, So if I had to say so, Blue Raspberry Airhead, possibly. That sounds kind of It's not at all sour, because last year was definitely sour. Yeah. And the year before that was Starburst. And the year before that was Skittles, and the year before that was candy corn. Candy corn didn't taste a fucking thing like candy corn, um, but yes.
0: How uh, how fucking sweet is it?
1: It's very sweet. Yeah. It's it. it I mean, the, the first thing you taste when you put it in your mouth, sugar. And it's sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just. And, and you know, I also have the, the zero sugar version, which I'll be doing a TikTok taste test of that as well. But it's the same fucking flavor yeah. either way. I prefer the zero sugar because hey, the calories and stuff, but. I figured for being on the show and it being my dry month leading up to my trip to Salem at the end of the month, I'll be coming up to see you and do some spooky shit. Hell yeah uh, I'll be going to be posting some spooky shit on the TikTok as well and on the Instagram. But um, yeah, so I tasted it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I found this at a sheets gas station in Pennsylvania. I couldn't find it a single place near me in Virginia or even West Virginia down the way. Was it at the same miles. sheets
0: that you and I always stop at? No. Oh. no. Because I was going to say, it we was, got, we it got was, that it was, two years ago I'll,
1: there. I'll say this much, though. Yeah, that's true. We did. But it was also about as far away from Savannah's on Hannah as that sheet. <laughs> Savannah's so Savannah's on, on Hannah. Hannah, which is Brady's favorite, uh, <laughs> w- we'll lip. say, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nah, but ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take pennies. a quick promo break. And when we come back, we are going to do our featured review, The Nun 2. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mikey. And this is Maddie. And we are the Alone in the Dark podcast. Join us on this nostalgic journey through horror where you will find top five themed podcasts and audio commentaries curated for some of your favorite horror films. If you're into celebrating the best films that came out during a certain year, then you'll really dig our class of episodes. We even repurpose lines from your favorite horror movies to create a brand new story for our special In the World of podcasts. We bring you something different each and every episode, so let us be your video store curators. Fun is guaranteed, and there are never any late fees. Remember... You're never really alone in the dark. And Creeps, we're back. And it's time for our Epic Film Guys Fresh Fright review. Our featured review on The Nun 2. Dose. And for those unaware of what The Nun 2 is. If you've never seen one of the Conjuring Universe movies, Brady, fill them the fuck in on what this movie's all about.
0: Oh, man. So, The Nun 2. We're going to 1956. We're going to France. A priest is murdered. An evil is spreading. It's the sequel to the worldwide hit that follows Sister Irene as she once again comes face-to-face with Valak, the demon nun. Directed by Michael... Chavez. Chavez, produced by James Wan, written by Ian Goldberg, Richard Nyang, and Akila Cooper, uh, released on September eighth, yeah. to a box office gross of what thirty two point six million, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's currently made already over. It's like ninety million something on a budget of thirty eight point five million
2: estimated. Yeah. Aka, there's going to uh, be a is none is not, three. Yeah.
1: Oh, of course there is, and these movies always fucking bank so hard. It doesn't matter. The level of quality within the film the the branding alone if it has to do with the conjuring universe Mm -hmm. any of the insidious movies any of that it is automatically going to make money there's nothing wrong with that i'm extremely happy that the movie is making money but there's a lesson to be learned and we're going to talk about that uh in in terms of the movies being churned out just because they can churn them out rather than focusing on giving us quality content now you had said Michael Chavez came in to direct this one, Brady. Corn mm-hmm. uh, Hardy directed the last one. And I could say right off the bat, I did not like the first nun movie at all. It had great atmosphere. I loved that it had the essence of a Hammer movie. It yeah. uh, felt gothic and all that. It had great, again, great visuals and stuff, but it was light on character. I didn't give a shit about anything that was going on. And above all, it wasn't scary to me. Uh, you know i think there's something that to be said about james wan in wan we trust he is our lord and savior in a sense the man is just a perfectionist he's a master at these types of movies and it shows when you get someone in there that's not necessarily even remotely close to his level so with this movie i uh, from the get-go i knew it was going to happen i was just like you know I'll give this an opportunity like I give anything else. Uh, I think the character, the Nun, uh, the best thing we've seen with that character is from The Conjuring 2. That shit is nightmare fuel and absolutely brilliant, and I've just been hoping and waiting for them to come close to that level of terror uh, using the character since then. Brady, we're going to get into our initial thoughts here. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about how you feel about the Nun movies, really, so... Uh, did you see the first one? What did you think? And what about this one, your initial thoughts?
0: Yeah, so I did see the first one, um, not in theaters, but after it was released um, on streaming. And similar to you, you know, I loved the gothic vibes, loved the Hammer film-esque nature of it. Um, I thought the visuals were great, but there was it was not scary. And it's like... I think there's a larger discussion to be had that like, you know, in the Conjuring-verse movies, it seems like whenever they try to peel off these characters and make them their own franchises and their movies, like it just doesn't do it. Like the same thing with Annabelle, like nothing about that really captivated me like it did in the Conjuring movies, right? And the same thing with Valak the Nun, it's like what they did with that in the Conjuring 2, I thought was incredible because in the limited role that that character has in that, Like, where you actually see The Nun, it was terrifying. And that, like, that's what scared you about that fucking movie. And then to get The Nun in her own movie and not have anything live up to that, it was disappointing. So I was like, well, maybe they'll course correct, they'll fix what they did in the second one. So going into this one, I I didn't have high hopes, but I was, like, in the back of my mind thinking, you know, maybe they'll surprise me. Um, I went into it with a pretty open mind, trying not to be negative about it. Um, I did see the trailers because they were constantly shown in, in the movies that we've gone to see in theaters this year um, and so yeah I mean I we can get into my, my review after we go into your initial thoughts but like I I came away from it just feeling again like such a letdown in terms of what this character has been and what it can be and how they just can't get those things to coexist you know it's like it's all there for you like I'm, I'm tired of every scene in the background the nun is there right and then when it comes time to show really scary things that the nun could be impactful, she's not there. And I felt like the movie <laughs> for a movie called The Nun Two to have the Nun missing from the most for the majority of the movie impactful parts. Jason goes movie, to including, hell. Bro. It was Jason yeah, goes including to the hell. The in, including for the real. final act, I was like, This is such a disappointing entry. Like, what the hell are you doing? So that was those were my initial thoughts. Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Jeremy. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you. I was just going to say something real quick before I do. There's something as well when you mention the conjuring verse, Brady, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's that there is this universe where all these characters can exist, mm-hmm. and they they're not doing anything with them in order to make them coexist, to make it connected, to weave together an interesting world of characters. Where you know what I mean? Like it doesn't seem like. Each movie's building towards something. They they're just existing, they're starting and ending, and that's it. There's there's no through and through with the this only stuff that's gonna build the something. The only better.
2: connective thread is the Warrens. You know what I mean? Yep. That's right. that's the only thing. Um so it's it's surprising to me that Michael Chavez um, got to direct this movie considering how panned and hated his Conjuring Three was like I don't know anybody mm-hmm. that watched that movie that went fuck that was great like n- like literally no one.
1: I mean I'll say this not to cut you off. His film before that, The Curse of La Llorona, I, I loved that movie. Oh, mm-hmm. I-, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was super. I thought it was that super was, it was That was my
2: next statement. Is that you know what? But at least The Curse of La Llorona um, was was super super solid. I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel like. Not including this one, um, because I'll save my thoughts for this uh, for a minute, but uh, before The Nun 2, there was only two Conjuring spinoff movies that I feel like were really fucking good. That was Annabelle Creation. I thought it was fucking terrifying and awesome. And then
0: The Curse of La Llorona.
2: Um, The other spinoffs have just not been... I don't think any of them have been... I mean, well, The Conjuring 3 was just a bad movie, but... Uh, the other ones, uh, not directed by James Wan, um, have not been great. Outside of those two, so going into this one, I was I was hopeful for it because I actually I did like the first Nun movie. Um, it felt like an old school Hammer horror film. Um, I liked what they were setting up with it. I didn't love it. I didn't walk away going "fuck." I love the first Nun movie, but I walked away like, you know, that was fun. That was that was fine. Um. So this one, I was like, you know, I just want to have fun with it. And I just want it to be solid. And I can tell you that when the movie started, I was like, fuck. All right. Like, I feel like it started really strong. I don't know if you guys felt the same way about it. Um, And I'll tell no. you one other thing. Okay, well, that that's how I felt. <laughs> I, felt I felt like it, it started super strong. <laughs> no. and. I tell you another thing that at least this has my respect for it is that this movie gives no shits about killing kids. And I'm like, you know what? I'm with it. Yeah. Any movie that unapologetically just offs kids on screen, I'm, I'm with that. Um, I, f- I've, I did feel like it started strong. Um, it also really, really felt like there were several writers involved because it felt... The, yeah. the the tone and consistency throughout it kind of changed, and you could tell that they were really trying to streamline the story to where, like, it, they didn't take their time with it. Like, literally, it was, like, no time at all before there was, you know, this head priest that was, like, we you know, talking to, uh... uh Was it Tessa Vermiga? Yes. Uh, and I just started playing on my song. Uh, Tessa Vermiga. <laughs> for, for um... It wasted no time to be like, you have to go stop the nun. And then the funny part is that she was like, I won't do it. And they're like, well, you got to go do it. And she was like, I'll do it. (laughs) Like, it was
1: fucking (laughs) hilarious. With with the exact same expression on her face. Uh, You know, uh, I'll say this much about her, and I love her and everything else. But did either of you notice that she literally had the same deer in headlights expression throughout the entire fucking movie for every single emotion she was supposed to be? Projecting as a as an actor, even when she sort of got it, it was like burning. she was all wide eyed with her mouth wide open. Whether she was supposed to be frightened or confused or saddened or whatever it may be, she didn't have any range of emotions in her performance. I felt at all, which is very unlike her. Because from other stuff I've seen her in, she's fantastic. I just I don't know if she knew what movie she was supposed to be in. The tone here, to me, is slightly less campy. For sure, um, than the first movie, mm-hmm. it's trying to take itself a little bit more seriously, and sometimes that comes off as inadvertently silly. Um, but in terms of like my, my, my initial thoughts on the movie, I, I actually I, I do think Jeremy I liked the opening a little bit. I you know I think like the unfortunate part about these movies for us and and anyone that goes to see them that has any kind of sense, and this is no offense to anyone that just is a you know mainstream normal ga moviegoer that doesn't care. But we've seen most of this shit before in other movies, and we've seen it done way better. And so, for me at least, you know, when I go into these, I'm like, okay, listen, I know characters are going to be light, which they were here again. I know that we're going to have, you know, very few moments that are going to connect us to those characters where we care about them. This movie did that. Um, But I just want to be impressed. I want to, I want to be shown something I've never seen before. If you're going to be relying on jump scares, or, or basically, in a sense, revolving your entire fucking movie around the jump scares, at least make the jump scares effective. At least make them innovative. Make them something different and fresh. And unfortunately, this is just more of the same. It's more of the same shit we've seen before. And I like Chavez. I, I like what he's done in, in, in you know his first Conjuring movie, which apparently uh, Juan came out recently and said that it's actually not part of the universe, which Weird. is strange. But anyways... <laughs> Um, Because I'm pretty sure they marketed it as one, but 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 you can tell the difference when a James Wan versus a Chavez handles a jump scare sequence because there's a difference in the buildup and the suspense. And I'm not here to dog on Chavez. I mean, you know, it's not just his, you know, when it comes down to the faults in the movie, it's not just him. It's a whole team effort. But overall, I just found the movie to be just kind of like the same old thing, you know, like um, good visuals. You know, great production design, acting is decent throughout. The nun, you know, looks fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, the character is just so terrifying. And I, I'm not going to lie, the movie had a couple great sequences, and we're going to get into the ones that we did like and everything. But overall, this movie just fell flat on its face for me.
0: I think also, you know, there's a couple interviews where Chavez gives where he talks about upping the gore making this the probably the most violent conjuring verse movie we've seen um and i think that kind of goes into what you were saying about like the lack of character work it's like i feel like they sacrificed the character work because they're like people want violence people want to see brutal murders and the nun really like blood splatter and like i like that i like the violence aspect I like like Jeremy said like the killing kids on screen and not being afraid of it but like you still need to have these characters that you had a little bit of investment in in the first one you need to carry that through like you can't just like halt that or like even regress on that and I feel like he did that
1: yeah I mean definitely definitely good point there uh, you know it's okay to build your characters you know in general moviegoers will still like all the spooky shit mm-hmm. if You have compelling characters. That's not to say all the characters are bad. I mean, I I definitely really appreciated what they were attempting to do with the Maurice character and his relationship with the little girl Sophie and, you know, her mom. And, you know, there was a little circle there of characters where you started to care about them a little bit, um, but they just didn't do nearly enough to follow through with it in the end, to really have you rooting for these characters. You know, when you get to the end of the movie, and we're going to, you know, this is, again, ladies and gentlemen, sorry we didn't state it at the beginning, Uh, you know if you listen to this show normally, it's going to be a full spoiler review unless otherwise stated. Um, But by the end of the movie, with the climax of this thing, I want to care about the characters. I want to be at least rooting for them, a little bit. Even though I want to see them mostly get murdered and killed because we're watching a horror movie, and (laughs) I want to see it spectacularly done. I, I... Give me something to really be on their side and be cheering for them. And here it's like, I think, you know, the character of Irene Palmer is supposed to be a hero. She comes off as a wet blanket. I'm just sorry. Like, Farmiga, whatever she's doing with this character, and again, she's a fucking nun herself, so it's not like she's going to be this badass action hero. But there's something that could have been done, you know, in her performance and in the writing to me. Make me connect with her. Be like, yes, I want to see her defeat Valak, the fucking demon, again once you know once and for all. And that's that's something that in our favorite horror films is extremely important. Our final girls or our heroes of the movie, we want to have them be someone we can connect with on a larger level. And I just didn't feel that here.
0: The other thing too is like I don't know, like I I agree with all of that, but you know the the dialogue in the script was also pretty shitty at points and. Like everything with Storm Reed's Deborah and Farmiga's Irene, it's like you have this concept that we've seen in Exorcist movies before. I think it's done the best in the original Exorcist, but this lack of faith, right? And how you have to defeat the demon by by renewing your faith in your higher power and and, and being able to to defeat it. And like they start that off pretty early in the film. To the point where you're like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. Like, now I've singled this character of Deborah out to be like, at the end, you're going to come save the day because Irene can't do it, and you're going to have all of a sudden this epiphany moment where you're like, I have faith, and then the demon's killed. And, like, that's exactly what fucking happens. Not to go too far ahead, but it's like, you could have gone much better with the writing, and you could have had a more conflicted character Mm -hmm. in this Deborah if that's what you're going to do. So, like, sure, you're going to let Irene take a back seat and make Deborah the highlight here, but, like you still gave her shitty writing. So like there was nothing to get invested in with those two characters. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, the best part was was Kate, who's one of the fucking sisters from the Chronicles of Narnia, you know? And yep. it's like, I was like... That's <laughs> great all, that you noticed that. <laughs> that's all I could think the whole time. I was like, oh my God, that's, that's fucking Susan Pevensey from Narnia.
1: You know what, though? I, I'll say this much. She was great yeah. in the movie. I she really was. actually really connected with her. She was so down to earth. She was such an adorable character. And someone that you know—it felt like real yeah. world. Out of all these characters that were kind of more heightened.
0: And that's that's great, and I love what she did. But like again, like the the two main characters that you're supposed to want to invest in are Irene and Deborah because they're taking on Valak. Like they're the ones who end up in the final showdown, and they just fell flat to me. So.
1: Yeah, I, I, the Deborah character altogether just felt like a sidekick yeah. that yeah. was just shoehorned. In and the movie. I love
0: what Storm Reed did in. Uh, Lee Wenell's *The Invisible Man*. I thought she was great as the daughter who's like kind of caught in that crossfire. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had a lot of expectation going into it, and I just I think she got handed shitty writing.
2: Nothing, nothing felt earned in this movie. Uh, like again, going back to the priest being like, "We, the church, wants you to go defeat this demon because you've already done it once." And it was like, "Okay, well, um, no, I'm not gonna do it." Well you're going to go do this for the church. Okay, I'll go do it. It's like, "Oh, okay, well there's that." And then it's the same thing with uh Storm Reed's character with with Deborah. It was like, "Oh, I don't know if I have faith." And then, you know, I've never seen a miracle. And then in the finale something happens where all the, which is
1: absolutely where ridiculous.
2: all of a sudden she goes, <laughs> "Yeah, that was yeah, a it was so that bad. was a miracle." Like that the moment didn't feel earned. Like And I'll tell you guys this right now. All of a sudden, the movie just fucking ended. I didn't even know we were at that point where it was like, oh, it's ending right here, right now. Demon, you know, demised. Here we go. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, that, oh, shit, that was the finale. Like, that was it. That's how they, okay, like, now we're wrapping the movie up. Like, I didn't even realize that we were at that point in the movie until it was at that point in the movie. And I'm like... Okay, so really, really weak third act. Yeah, very
1: anticlimactic. And I'm just going to say it, man. I'm just going to say it. Because it connects with a line that's mentioned when they're on their way to their first location to investigate this whole thing. They're on the train, and they're talking about turning wine into the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is what happens at the end of the movie where all these barrels of fucking wine... Where the 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 character of Deborah instantly has her faith, and then together with Irene, they are able to turn the red wine into the blood of Christ, and it all fucking pours out as like fountains on the nun. And then, of course, you know the, the visual aspect of seeing the nun like disintegrate and rot in the in midair was really cool. But it was like the silliest shit I, I feel like I've seen in a horror movie all year long. It was just absolutely just Ridiculous. Well, because
0: it goes back to like, I like how they were like, all right, cool. Like, the nun survived and went into Maurice. And now Maurice is taking the nun from point to point to look for this. other relic, which are the eyes of St. Lucy. Like, I liked that. I thought that was cool. And they were like, you have to get to the eyes of Lucy first, and because it could be a weapon for you, but if the nun gets it, who knows? You know, maybe the nun is a fallen angel. And then, that's what happens. They use it. You think the nun is defeated, but you don't really if you watch these movies. And then, the nun gets the eyes, and gets all this power. And then, yeah, it was just like, I, I remember as soon as the barrels burst, I went with my friend Nick, and I was like, I audibly in the theater said, you've got to be kidding me. And like, I just, it was so unbelievable that, like, this is what you do. Like, because in the first movie, wasn't that how they killed her? The blood of Christ? Like, yep. they had this, like, old blood of Jesus, and so now this is supposed to be the blood of Jesus, too?
1: Well, apparently, they haven't learned that that doesn't work because the fucking demon came back anyway. So they're just like, okay, we're just going to do the same thing again and uh, hope that it goes away for a while until uh, two years from now they're going to ask me to come back and fight the thing again. Yeah, yeah. Uh- there, there, you know I, I, it's it's lack of creativity uh, and again it's like this whole generic idea that well we have to use something to do with you know because it is a religious thing mm-hmm. but the blood of christ once again and to me again turning the wine okay whatever it, it's a horror movie mm-hmm. it's supposed to be fantasy but it just came off as really silly and as jeremy said perfectly very unearned it was just too little too late now i think again the visual aspect of the movie is fantastic, and I have to mention because I don't want to dog on the movie the whole time. One of my favorite parts of the movie, um, and I liked it earlier on when the the bullies bring in uh, Sophie into that chapel where they play that game where you look through the goat's eye. The light shines through the goat's eye, and it's like you're like playing with the devil, basically. Later on in the movie, like they utilize that in order to find the eyes uh, that are in the ground and then we actually see this fucking goat demon devil creature come alive and i will say this the visual aspect of that was brilliant oh I yeah. loved that yeah that was terrifying i loved everything they did with that um it stalks these chi- children it's stalking these little girls and they're, like, running from it, and they're hiding. That was some terrifying shit, man. That visual, it, like, comes, it's, like, walking through down the stairs, and you just see it through the banister, like, the silhouette. Just great work there. Of course, this is all a given when you're going to do one of these movies. You have to be able to get the visual visual aspect of uh, correct, but they, they really nailed that. I was really impressed with they, that.
0: Oh yeah, when it's like crawling down oh. the stairs towards them, when, and you're like racing to the doorway, I was like, okay, this is actually what I was needed the entire movie.
2: It was
0: by far and away
2: the scariest thing in the entire movie was that goat monster. Like, give me a fucking movie with just that goat monster. Uh, the three, There's three things that I, I loved about this movie. Uh, one was the goat monster that we just talked about. Like, I thought it looked terrifying the sound design was was incredible uh so i guess four things so the goat monster the sound design was was incredible um whoever did that was was fantastic uh the action set pieces man there were some really fucking great action set pieces throughout the, uh you know this church that the the film uh is is or the school that the film was taking place in like there was a lot of really really cool movie sets and and things happening in them in action set pieces that were great and there were some great shots of bonnie aaron as the nun um
0: oh yeah for I, sure. I like yep.
2: that they made the nun even more malevolent in this one i specifically love the shot where it was like she was like projected like really huge over some characters and then came back down to normal size It totally gave me some Freddy Krueger vibes. Um, I dug it. I also liked that they were like, let's make the nuns scarier. So now all of her teeth are just like blood fangs and blood.
0: Like, you know, what's kind of crazy that I just thought of. Does this mean that Chavez has directed the most conjuring movies?
1: Well, like I said, uh, curse is not considered one technically.
0: So that, that would still give him two, two. Yeah.
1: No, Juan did the first two.
0: All right, so he's tied. Yeah, he's tied. Well, Juan just said that, so he still had the title. <laughs> he was like, "Ah, oh, no, I, I got." I, you know what? I, gotta, I, I, I don't know.
1: This whole time we thought that curse was was included again. It, it felt like one. Um, I liked that movie a lot, but anyways, um, yeah, all those things, Jeremy. I, I agree. The main issue with, with that is, like I just said a few moments ago, the visual is a given. Like you have to be able to get that. Like that's the easiest part, I think. So I just wish that they would do something with the character of the nun. Brady, you said it perfectly. The nun is barely in the movie. Two minutes and 57 seconds. It's like, oh my god, you actually counted it? I looked
0: it up. Uh, Valak only appears in her nun form for a total of two minutes and 57 seconds. And
1: there's nothing wrong with with them skimping on the nun... making it more special when you see her but they rely so much on the character of Maurice and when he's possessed and stuff which I saw a lot more of and he's fine doing that but if I'm going to the movies to see a movie called The Fucking Nun 2 I want to see more of The Fucking Nun Mm -hmm. and I want you to I want to see you doing something more with the character yes less is better I know Jaws that whole thing sure
2: sometimes it's better yeah
1: it depends on what it is and you know, the context of what they're, how they're using the character. And here I just did not feel like the character was utilized well at all. I will say this. I hope, I hope Bonnie, uh, Aaron's receives more money. She deserves it. She is the face of that character. You know, I heard recently that, you know, she was like, you know, when I signed up for this, she probably got a shit oh, deal. but yeah. um, now that character is an icon just like Pennywise, you know, just like any other horror icon, like people dress up like the nun it's it's massive, you know. People have it tattooed on them. There's tons of merchandise. Hopefully, she gets a better deal on that. Um, and before I forget, I have to say, I did love something a lot about this movie, and it was Mark Bell. Yeah, you to say
2: that? Fucking
1: god, tier mm-hmm. score. Holy
2: shit! It was great,
1: dude. I oh my god, it's fu- dude. This this guy is literally top five modern composers that do horror, and. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not sure if you agree with me or not. Christopher Landon is directing the next Scream. We should get him to listen to bring back Marco Beltrami to that franchise. Because what he built with Wes Craven in those movies, because the first Scream was his first ever horror score, and it's still a classic. And I would just love to see that personality that he built with Wes Craven for those movies come back. Because what he did here... Dude, It's not to go unnoticed. It was fan-fucking-tastic. This movie would have been a, a few levels lower in terms of how shit it was without that score. He just elevated it to a level where it was just so much better than it actually deserved to be.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, what was it? Joseph Bashara was supposed to be the one who did it, and then he just didn't sign on for it. So they went with Beltrami, and I think like that's pretty incredible. If you're like, all right, well, my backup is Beltrami, and like for him to knock it out of the park, yeah, like I, I, this is a, a score that I feel like has been lacking all year. Like I feel like every horror movie we've gotten, for the most part, or not everyone, but ninety percent, has this year has just not had a great score to go along with it. And I, and I go back to Insidious um the last one we watched 5 where it's like there was virtually no score in that one and so it was really nice to be able to enjoy the parts of this movie with the score that you're supposed to like you're invested in the moment because of that score whatever happened with yeah, the characters for sure. whatever happened with the lack of the nun the score was still there and that was consistent so that was nice
1: yeah it was it was terrifying man i mean that's funny because when i left the theater i was like you know what this movie was what it was. It was forgettable. I'm probably never going to watch it again. The first thing I did when I got in the car was went on to Apple Music and they had the score. I threw it fucking on and listened to it on the way home. And I've been listening to it every day since. What's so at least, at least the movie connected with me on that level.
0: I was going to ask you guys, uh, what did you think of the scene with uh, Madame Laurent being killed by the nun who's taking on the form of like her dead son? With, like, the Eucharist, like, throwing it Her on.
1: son looked fucking laughable. He looks like a member of Twisted or ICP or some shit with that makeup job. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. laughed. When he when he came out around the corner, I legit laughed. I was like, it looked like bad yeah. Halloween makeup.
2: I I, lo- yeah. I loved that scene. Uh, I thought it was super effective. Dude, a lot of the kill scenes were surprisingly grisly for what we typically get with these kind of movies. And I kind of fucking love that. Like, so, I, listen, I'm not shitting on this thing in entirety, uh, there were a lot of things in this movie that, that I really loved. Uh and the brutality of killing these fucking kids and this old woman and 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 the way that that the nun again was using her dead son to do so, like man, uh some some, some really solid stuff going on in there. Uh despite despite some Yeah, I, less liked, the, stellar I liked the death stuff. scene.
1: Yeah. The death scene was fantastic and it was bloody. You saw her laying in a fucking pool of blood, man. Like mm. Again, it is considered taboo to kill old people and children and this movie went for both. Kill them all. And you, you know, we're seeing the 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 bully character, the bully girl, I forget her name, I apologize. You see her get stabbed through the fucking shoulder, man, you know, like brutally. Oh, She's with the like horn? shrieking. Yeah, that yeah, was with the good. Horn. So it's, it's so there again, the movie's not I wouldn't say the movie's terrible by any means. I think the most frustrating thing about this, and this is something I say all the time, is when you can see a fantastic movie within the movie you're watching that's not really that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can see the potential for where the movie could have gone had there been more time taken with script, with character, with trying to be more creative with what to do with the titular character, the nun, where it seems like they just settle with these Conjuring sequels. Yeah. It's just unfortunate because that's what they've been doing even the last insidious it was the same thing it's like you know what people like this the jump scares work and i'm not saying every jump scare sucked another thing i can say that's positive and we all saw it in the trailer a hundred times but that newsstand scene
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know where irene's standing there that was extremely effective i loved the visual nature of that i loved how the magazines were flipping it was very eerie it was beautifully done and it when, when you know valet grabs her by the throat. It still got me, even though I, I saw it in the theater a hundred times. So, again, that's there's some praise there. What part you know, it, What
0: part got me was when it was similar to that. That one got me, but also when Sophie is coming from upstairs and looks at the wall, and you can just see, like, the shadow of the form on the wall, and then Valak pops out. That one got me. And, like, you that know was it's good coming, as well. that but was it was good. so fucking good. And I was like, cool. Like it. So the movie does have moments of brilliance, but it's just like... Why couldn't that have been, like, why did you have to blow your wad with showing the nun in every background scene in the first two acts of the movie and then leave her out of the last?
1: Interesting ideas, interesting choices, and we saw how it was executed and what the end result was. Boys, I think we're down to it. I think we got to get to final thoughts and trash it or treasure it. Jeremy, let's hear it from you first. Your initial, or rather your final thoughts and trash it or treasure it.
2: A lot of great things in here. I still enjoyed the movie uh, on a level of it entertained me from beginning till end. Um, it's brutal. Score was great. Action set pieces were awesome. Sets were awesome. Uh, but it it phoned in a lot of stuff. And like I said, the third act was, was really the weakest part of it for me. I can forgive a lot of things. Listen, us horror fans we got to sit through a lot of shit to get some diamonds in the rough uh, with our genre because a lot of times these studios, they think they know what we want and they, they slop stuff together and that's that's what we get. Um, and let's face it, the Conjuring films, they print money. So, you know, I, I don't think any filmmaker ever goes into something with just like, hey, this is going to make money no matter what. Let's just fucking do it. Who cares? I, I You know... I think they tried to make uh, a great interesting movie and I just think that a lot of it did not work um, when we do trash to treasure it I gauge since this is not a rating skill you know what I mean like so for me it always comes down to will I be excited to watch this again in a year and if the answer is no for me then I trash it because I can in good faith say that I'm going to treasure something that I'm like, I don't even think I'm going to watch this next year or give a shit. So I'm going to have to trash it because it just, even though there are a lot of things that I like about it, it it felt like a wasted opportunity in a lot of other ways, and this will not be something that I race back to rewatch in a year or two years or even three years. I haven't even gone back and rewatched the first none yet. So, I mean, there's that. So I'm going to trash it.
1: Yeah. Mm. Brady.
0: Yeah, um, easy to follow that one. It's just like, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's, it's a movie just of of missed opportunity. And it's like I said at the beginning, it's, it feels like for me personally, that's all of these spinoffs of the conjuring verse. And it's, it's almost like these writers get together and they think way too far ahead. And they're like, Oh my God, like think like five or six movies down the road where this thing's just a popping one out every year, like saw and they get so caught up in that like they can't see the forest for the trees you know and it's like then these movies suffer in the meantime and and sure if you peel it back to like the vision so the nun is being carried through this guy and nobody knows it and is just tracking down this relic cool i like it i like that direction that you're going in but the execution was so piss poor due to writing due to direction and you're relying so much on uber violence and gore in the type of movies that don't really have that beforehand like i just it felt so different it felt so detached from what it's supposed to be and the lack of the nun really just put the nail in the coffin for me and i similar to jeremy if i cannot in good conscience recommend somebody to go watch this movie that's a trash it for me automatically, and like I can't recommend anybody. Instant trash. I can't tell anybody. Yeah, you should go see this. Like I've told everybody that will listen <laughs> before this podcast. Like, do not go see this movie. Like, do not waste your money on it. Like, it's it's not good. Like, it, I like to champion horror. I like to say go out and support horror. But like this one, just for me, felt like a waste of money.
1: Yeah, I I, I would still, I would still tell someone that would be interested in it yeah. to see it, but. I'll follow lock and step with you, though. I mean, I'm definitely going to trash this. Uh, much like Jeremy, I did I admire everything he mentioned in terms of the action set pieces, the production design. Um, and know, the, nu- the nun the... fucking
2: rocks, dude. The character of the nun is fucking great.
1: The character of the nun is great. I just wish, as a moviegoer, that they would do something more interesting with the character mm-hmm. rather than just have it floating around in the background the entire time. Like, like I want to know more about the character. I think they're not to say an origin story, but there's just something you can do that, to make it more interesting, and hopefully, eventually, they'll get that. Like I said, th- the most terrifying scene with the character of the nun is still from The Conjuring Two. Um, you know, and we know that James Wan will likely never come back and touch one of these things again. You know, he's off doing Aquaman Two. Maybe he's going to take a break after that, after what Warner Brothers put him through. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, but no, you know, the movie had an amazing score. Everything that you would expect from one of these movies and in the end the movie just suffers from more of the same a movie that revolves around generic jump scares and there's nothing wrong with jump scares at all i just think that they need to be effective well placed well timed and make sense within the context of the the movie itself so you know there's just too much bad compared to how much good is in the movie so i have to trash the movie but if if you're still interested in seeing it we would definitely say do that if you want to see A sequel to the nun which already wasn't a very good movie in my opinion um but again from the conjuring verse just more of the same ladies and gentlemen that is our fresh fright review on the nun 2 let us know if you saw the movie what you thought of the movie in the post on which social media website you're seeing this on and let us know what you think of the episode let us know what you think of the show feel free to head on over to itunes or spotify and leave us a five star review And also, we're all over the net on social media at Epic Film Guys. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, literally everywhere. Thanks so much for listening. We love you, and we can't wait to give you more rad shit for spooky season. Guys, any final words?
2: Hey, boys. How about that MTV? (laughs) Shakira, Shakira.
1: That's right, baby. I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy.
0: I'm Be Ready.
1: And as always, we like to ask
0: you to keep it. <laughs>